All right, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus 34, and we are going to continue in our series that I started last week entitled The Character of God. The Character of God. Last week, we started off uh, this series by seeing that God's character is clear through his name, Yahweh. And let's read that. Let's recap uh, uh, Exodus 34, 5 and 6 says, Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord. Now remember, whenever you see Lord in all caps, that's translated from the Hebrew Yahweh. So in essence, this verse is saying in the original Hebrew language, he called out his name, Yahweh, Yahweh. So anytime you read in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, I mean, sometimes they'll quote Old Testament verses and it's all caps. It's translated the Lord from the Hebrew, which is Yahweh, which means he is the one who was, the one who is, and will always be. The root word is a verb, that he is. It's not just uh, attributes. He's continuing. It's who he always was, he is, and always will be. Every living thing that exists comes from the Lord, comes from Yahweh. From this we saw last week that he is, just from his name, we see he's consistent. We see that he is a God of connection, right? He wants connection with us. He connection with our ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We looked at that. He's the God of covenant. Remember, I'm, I'm going to show you some more this uh, this week, this morning, about him, why he does and what he does, because he's a covenant God. And then he also is a God of commission. He's a commissioning God, right? Even from Moses, he said, tell the people that Yahweh has sent you. Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, go into all the world. In the end of Mark, he says the same thing, the great commission. He's the God of commissioning. So if you missed last week, you wasn't here, I want to encourage you to go to our, our website, our app, and, and check out week one of this series. So we're going to continue in verses 6 and 7. This is our main text. We're just going down, breaking down these couple of verses in the next few weeks. I'm going to read it out of the New American Standard this week, Exodus 34, 6 and 7. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, or Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding, abounding, I'm sorry, in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are all of these things. You, you gave us your personal name the first time thousands of years ago, and you explain what your name means and who you are and what your character is like. Lord, help me as I preach your word today and help us all to, to, to see who you are and experience the, the fullness of who you are, your character, your nature, your attributes, that we may know you more, love you better. Again, Holy Spirit, I cannot do this on my own, nor do I want to. Lord, I need your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, it's powerful and interesting that whenever the Lord gave Moses his name, he could have described himself and it had been all about him. He could have described himself and said that I'm Yahweh, the God of power, the God of glory, the God of majesty. He, and, 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 and he does mention that. Most of the time people mention that. He could have talked about himself and all these things. But every attribute that he mentions in these verses has to do with how he treats people. Did you catch that? It's all about his relationship to people. And, and again, and that's where we, we get it twisted from in our minds, experiences, what wrong teaching that we've been taught over the year, 
uh, over the years why I think it's so important to teach on these couple of verses in these next few weeks. You know, I begin to think, uh, you know, I, 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 a lot of you, y'all know him. He was here Father's Day, a dear friend of mine, Brother Glenn Ducharme. Uh, years ago, before there was a show, Doug Dynasty, y'all familiar with the Robertsons, Phil Robertson, uh, you know, they, they've been around for a long time with their business in the waterfowling world. And Brother uh, Glenn, for a hurricane, this was years before the show was even on t- TV, Brother Glenn had to evacuate from a hurricane, and they were going up to North Louisiana because they had a friend over there. They were staying with a friend, and that friend knew Phil Robinson. And so it was like, hey, Glenn, you want to go hang out, want to go meet Phil? And it's again, before they were famous on TV, but they were known in the waterfowling community. He was like, yeah, sure. So I don't know if any of y'all used to walk, watch Duck Dynasty, but if you watched the show, they would show them in their trailer, which I think he still lives in a double-wide trailer, if I'm not mistaken. And he said, when you see him, you walked in uh, all those scenes at their house, Miss Kay would be cooking in the, in the kitchen. He'd be in his camouflage recliner, you know, watching the news with his beard and his, his camel on. And he went down and sat down with, with, with Phil. And he said, Brandon, as you see it on TV, that's exactly how it was. That was not staged. That's how he is at his life. They started talking about the Lord, of course, started talking about duck hunting. But he said, that's how it, it, it really is. And, you know, it's like that with a lot of, of famous people that we see from a distance. There's a public perception of famous people, like Phil Robinson, for example. But, how, but, but most of us don't know how he really is. Brother Glenn got to see exactly how Phil Robinson was. And what we saw is, what, is how he really was. But it's like that with God. People have a, a, a general idea or public perception of God, but yet they don't know who he really is. They don't know who his character is really like. And again, that's why I'm preaching this series and preaching out of just these few verses, these couple of verses right here. See, we have perceptions that we've had, that we've heard, that we've made up, maybe wrong teaching, but Scripture tells us who Yahweh really is. Amen? So if anybody... Or you've thought something about the Lord. You've thought something. You've heard something about the Lord, the God of the Bible, Yahweh himself, and it doesn't line up with Scripture, then it's not accurate. Or again, let me say this. Um, also, if there's just some people focus on just one or two of the attributes of God. We see here just from two verses, and we're going to break them down in the next few weeks. He's compassionate, merciful, slow to anger, quick to love, forgives sin. But he doesn't overlook sin. He goes on to say that I do punish the guilty and that the guilty will be just. I will give justice to the guilty. But some people also just focus on one of those attributes. Some people are all about fire and brimstone and other people that God is all grace and all love. And, 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 and there's, there's no justice that comes with that. But we see that it's both. Even Jesus, I said it last week, the Bible says in the Gospels that Jesus came in the fullness of grace and truth. It's both. It's not one or the other. You know, and I felt like I got fresh revelation in the first service as I was preaching. And, and it's, you know, he starts out with, I'm compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, quick to love, and all these things before he gets into his justice and that guilt, the guilty will be punished. You know, it's almost like you ever heard, uh, the, the, if you're a leader, maybe a business owner, a life group leader, if you've been in ministry, or if you ever had to talk to your kids, you've ever heard about the sandwich effect? If you have to talk to somebody and give them, like maybe correct them or something, you use the sandwich effect. You come first with maybe some encouragement and something good that they're doing. Then you tell them what you have to talk to them about, the hard stuff, the correction, and then you maybe come back. I almost feel like that's kind of like what the Lord's doing. Except instead of using encouragement, he's using his own character. 
He's saying, look, I'm, I'm loving, I'm kind, I'm compassionate, I'm forgiven, but yet there is also justice as well. By the way, I just had the thought of us also is that, you know, if you have to have a tough conversation like with somebody, maybe you should wear that Evangeline Ray bread shirt that Nathan had on, and it reminds you to use the sandwich effect, right? Go in with some bread, then the meat, and some more bread, all right? So, I, and I believe that's what, what the Lord's doing, right? He's showing us, look, this is who I am. But it's the fullness of who God is. So we're going to jump uh, into all of these. And we're going to start today by focusing on the first two words that he says here. He says that, that, that I am Yahweh, the God of compassion. He says, I'm compassionate and gracious. The Hebrew words, Hebrew word for compassion is Rahum. And the Hebrew word for gracious is Hanum. Rahum and Hanum. That's the two words that he used. Now, this is beautiful because it's actually, this passage is actually poetry. And he says these two words together, Rahum Hanum. And he said it in a way that they would remember, a very beautiful, poetic, flowing statement. And these words are used together, and it's not by accident, right? He said it so Moses and the, and, and the people of Israel would remember these words, Rahum Hanum, compassionate and gracious, for generations, Jewish people repeated uh, this, this, uh, uh, these verses, and they still do to this day. When we were in Israel last month, we actually went to the Western Wall and saw people praying in different places. And the, as the guys, we got to go into the part of which would have been somewhat part of the old temple, which the old temple from them is all in the ground now they build up. But that part of the Western Wall where they kind of built it out, they were praying. A bunch of men were in there praying, and a lot of them had the Torah, and they were, they were, you know, going back and forth and praying. Some people, they, if you watch me, I pray. I, I, I must have Jewish in me or something, you know, because I like to go back and forth and I worship and rock. But that's, that's part of what they're doing. They're, they're calling out. They're reading and praying the, the scripture, the, what's known as the Torah, the Exodus is part of the Torah, the five first books of the Bible. And they're saying, Rahum Hanum. So David, when he wrote the book of Psalms, as we sang a, a Psalm of David, praise the Lord on my soul, right? You can read in the Psalms, Rahum Hanum, which means compassionate and gracious. He's telling God, you are the gracious and compassionate one, because that's who God himself says that he is. Amen. So this morning we're going to look at these two words. Let's 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 go into it. number one, the God of compassion. Let's let's really dive into that word rahum even more. It comes from the root word that actually means womb. It's actually a feminine word, and it means womb. You see, we know that God is manifests Himself as a Father, right? God the Father and God the Son. But how many of you know that we're all made in God's image, and so God puts His divine traits in all of us, both men and women, right? And so you see this word compassion, and you can see it played out in, in how he's given his traits to, uh, to mothers. Moms have a God-given desire to nurture from the beginning of the pregnancy through their whole marital, um, I'm sorry, maternal process. I think about my wife and Cassie when we had small babies, and, and even now, she was, she is and was, and my three daughters are here can tell you, she's way more nourishing than I am, nurturing than I am, right? And most moms are, right? You know, especially when they're little and they're babies. Man, I tell you what, us dads, we can sleep through all three of them babies crying. But moms, they like, they hear that, 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 uh, I guess, uh, the baby bed, like squeak barely, like, you heard that? The baby's moving. I'm like, what? I didn't hear it. But, right? They have that nurturing, the, the, the trait that God has given them. Or even now, as they've gotten older, 
When we have long days and, 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 and I know my wife's exhausted and still she's in the kitchen preparing dinner or trying to get something together. And, and now, you know, like a lot of you men, I'm like, babe, I'll cook tonight. Don't worry about it. I'll cook. What y'all want to get for takeout tonight? What y'all want to eat? I'll, I'll go, I'll go grab it. Don't worry about it. So I do like to barbecue, but I don't cook in the kitchen, but I like to barbecue. Right. But she's, I see her being exhausted and still wanting to nurture our children and nourish our children with both physical food, spiritual food, praying over our children, all these things, right? Of course, I do as well as the covering as the dad, but we see that. See, and this comes from the Lord. Look at God's desire to nurture. Hosea 11, 3 and 4 says, Yet it is I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them in my arms, nurturing the young nation, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them gently with cords of a man, right? Because he is, the Lord manifests, he is a man, but with bounds of love guiding them, and I was the, to them as one who lifts up and eases the yoke of the law over their jaws, and I bent down to them to feed them. Words like nurturing, guiding them, and feeding them, right? You see that that's the Lord's heart, right? Just like the Lord has a heart to protect, right? And we see mamas, right? You see, you see mamas that have, that most mamas will protect their babies. Some mamas can be very calm and very, very chill, but if you touch them babies, you're going to see a different side of them, right? That's why they say you've probably seen they got mama bears and then they got mama llamas. You know what a mama llama is? She's very chill and relaxed, but if you touch her kids, she might kick you and spit on you, right? If you try to harm their ba those babies, right? And so, but it's true. They have this, 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 uh, you know, a desire to protect. And even, listen, I saw it last night. My daughter had a, a volleyball tournament and we were outside. And although, and I saw it because, because of, because, because of a nurturing wanting to protect. And I felt bad for the little boy, but this mama was frantically looking for her son. And obviously she just found her son. And he was, I don't know, I'm not that good with ages, maybe between the ages of eight and 10. And she was like, where were you? And she was, of course, he was, he was upset because she was fussing at him. She's like, I've been looking all over for you. He's like, where were you? And she said, and he, he said something like, I went over there. I was, I left and went play with some people. It's like, who? And he's like, I don't know somebody. And she even lost it even more. Cause in, in our day and age, anytime, you don't want your kids running off with somebody you don't know, right? This little boy. And, but you can see that it was that even though she fussed the little boy, it was an instinct to want to protect her son. And saw the case after she was thankful her son was there. But it's a desire to protect. God, Jesus himself specifically, has a desire. And he as well uses an illustration as a mother when he says this in Luke 13, 34. Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. You see that? The Lord himself even used an illustration of a mother protecting. And he said, this is the way that I have been wanting to do with you, but you wouldn't let me. See, the Lord, just as moms have a desire to rescue the Lord, that comes from the Lord. So listen, I want to encourage you again. If you don't read through the Old Testament, I want to encourage you. You should read the other. You need to read through the whole Bible. If you've never read, read through the whole Bible, I encourage you periodically to do so. You need to do so. I love the Old Testament. I love all of the Word of God. You see a desire of, of a very disturbing story in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 3. Some of you are familiar with the story. Some of you may not be, but I want you to go read it. It's in there, 1 Kings chapter 3. And it was a story about the wisdom of Solomon. They had two ladies living together, and they both had babies a few days apart. 
And one of the ladies rolled over on her baby in the middle of the night and smothered her child and her baby died. She gets up the next morning and switches her dead baby with the live baby that, of her roommate that was living with her there. So when they get up in the morning, the mom realizes when she goes to nurse her baby, this is not my child, this is your child. Of course, she's like, no, this is mine. They start arguing about it. So they take him to the king. They take him to King Solomon, tell Solomon what's going on. So the king said, let me get me, let, let's get this straight. Both moms are saying the dead baby's the other one and the live one's theirs. And they said, yes. He said, okay, bring me a sword. So they brought him a sword and he said, take the sword and cut the baby in half and give him each half of the baby. That's how I deal with it. And one of the ladies piped up and said, no, 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 please don't kill the child. Please give her the baby. And Solomon, his wisdom said, she's the real mom. Give her the baby. Amen. And so it's showing his wisdom, but it shows that's a great uh, example. That mother was willing to give up her child because she didn't want to see it slaughtered right there in front of him, right? And in Solomon's wisdom. So listen, God has the same. He's given moms all these traits, right? Because remember this word, rahum, comes from the root word womb. And all these things have been put in, inside of mothers, but it comes from the Lord. And he has the same desire. This kind of compassion, the way moms have compassion on their kids. I just think about this as a dad. A lot of times dads, especially if we got little boys, when they were little and they got hurt, dads are like, come on, but suck it up, buttercup. Right, Marcus? Amen. And so and a lot of us are like that. Right. And, and but the moms are a little more like, no, he's hurting, you know, all this kind of stuff and more. They're more compassionate. Right. But the Lord, he has a desire to rescue, just as we saw this mom did in first Kings three. Look at Psalm 50, verse 15. Then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. Jesus told the apostle Paul the same thing. Whenever Paul uh, was going to begin to preach the gospel, he was an Orthodox Jew who got radically saved, met Jesus. He begins to go and preach the gospel. And in Acts 26, 17, Jesus said, I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. He was saying, as you preach the gospel, they're going to be hostile. They're going to persecute you. I'm going to rescue you from the Jews and the Gentiles alike. See, all these things, nurturing, Protection, rescue are driven by the Lord's compassion. Amen? His rahum is driven by his compassion. The Lord has eyes and heart of compassion. See, compassion is rooted in what you behold and what you see. You first compassion first comes from something you see and yes, are here in both of them. We see this in the Old Testament as well about the Lord. Genesis 16, Hagar ran away from Sarah because she was being mistreated by her. And look what happens in Genesis 16, 11 through 13. The angel also said, he's telling Hagar this, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. And you are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. She had ran away from Sarah and she was in the wilderness with her, her young son now. And she's crying out to the Lord because she thinks her and her son are going to die, especially her boy. And he says, I have heard your cries of distress. So let me pause and say again and tell everyone here and watch it online. You may think that the Lord don't know where you're at or that he's heard your prayer, but he's heard you. He hears your cries of distress. Why? Because he's compassionate. It goes back to the root of what he is. You remember who he is, Yahweh. Now he's explaining who he is. He's compassionate and he's gracious. Now let's go on. He says, the angel tells Hagar, this son of yours will be a wild man as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives 
side note about this and about people saying that the Bible uh, is not true or was written by man or is outdated. They can trace, and we even asked our, our tour guide, and he said it's not as clean, but yes, that you can trace Islam all the way back to uh, Ishmael. And he said that he will live in open hostility towards all of his relatives. And radical Islamists fight against each other and are constantly fighting against the Jewish people, which you know his brother was Isaac. Amen? Isaac and Ishmael, you can see this was a prophecy thousands of years ago from an angel that we still see taking place today. So when people tell you the Bible's not true, here's another scripture you can point them to and show them that it is. It's playing out. But here, that's just a side note. Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. So she said, the angel says, hey, he's heard your cry of distress, your prayer. And she said, she named him El Roy, which means the God who sees me. That's the Hebrew name, E-L-R-O-I. See, the Lord has eyes of compassion. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. You know, for us, what's good about the Lord, what's awesome about his compassion is that his compassionate eyes and heart is that they never get callous. We do get callous towards people. We get callous towards people, even people that we see. Can, can, can we just be honest? Even when we see another mass shooting, I believe we're seeing so many of these, we're starting to get callous to some of this stuff. And, and, and thank you all for being honest. I see you all shaking your heads just like the first. And that's horrible, right? It's horrible that we've seen the innocent people slaughtered at a bowling alley in a restaurant, but we're seeing it so much that there's sometimes a lack of compassion. Or what about the person on the side of the road, the, the hungry person, the homeless person? What about the, the, the lady that's hurting or the guy at the register at the, at the, the, the grocery store or the server, right? That, that didn't get our, our order right and we jump all over them. What about that lady that's having, she, she might have been having a bad day or she's in a bad season of her life. And maybe, just maybe, she's been crying out to the Lord to ask if, 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 you know, for help and wondering if the Lord hears her and we can make it or break it for some people. We can have compassion and maybe give them a word of encouragement or we can jump all over them because we got sweet tea instead of unsweet tea. I'm going to just let that one settle there for you for a little while. And, and, and it's because we get, I believe, we get callous. The good news is the Lord never does. He's always compassionate. Rahum, right? We're going to talk about that a little bit more. The eyes of the Lord are always watching and he's moved with compassion like Hagar, again, he sees your pain. Maybe you're that person. I'll just use an illustration of a server. You're the one in pain. You feel all alone. Maybe you're watching LPCC and you feel all alone. I promise you, he's the God who sees. He's El Roy. He sees you. He knows her yet. He hears your cries of distress because of compassion. It's who he is. Compassion is not something he has. It's something he is. These attributes are his character. It's who he is, right? We're going to pray for more compassion, but he says, I am Yahweh. I am compassion. I am gracious. See, God has a feeling of responsibility towards us. He sympathizes. He's sympathetic towards us. Look at 2 Kings 13, 23. But the Lord was gracious and merciful to the people of Israel, and they were not, when, and they were not totally destroyed. Watch this. He pitied them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He pitied them because of what? His covenant. You remember last week I said his name Yahweh means one of the four things is he's a covenant God. Amen. When he makes covenant with someone, right, he, he's, he's going to have sympathy on them and on us. 
Here, that's Old Testament. Let's go to Jesus, New Testament. If you notice, I've been doing that with all of these. Matthew 15, 32, it says this, Then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people, for they have been with me for three days and have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. Look at Matthew 20, 34. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly they could see. Then they followed him. It could be whether somebody's hungry or somebody needs a supernatural healing. When Jesus sees you, he sympathizes with you. Because he's in covenant with you. Amen? Because of his compassion, he has pity. He sympathizes with us. Now, he also empathizes with us. And sympathy and empathy are two different things. They're not the same thing. Sympathy is, I see what you're going through and I feel bad. I feel sorry for you. Empathy says, I want to feel, or I am feeling exactly what you're feeling, so I know exactly what you're going through. Sometimes we can't empathize with people because we don't know what they're going through. I mentioned this as I see April here uh, right now, and I, you know, uh, her family was here early in the first service. Like with, with Crystal passing away, her sister-in-law passing away a week ago or so, you know, Scotty lost his sister. I can empathize with him because I lost a brother. I know what it's like to lose a sibling, but Miss Sandra lost her daughter. I have no idea what that like to lose a child. I can sympathize with her, and my heart can break for her, and, and it did, and will continue to, and pray with them, and, and officiate the service, and check on them, but I can't empathize. Some of you in here have lost children, and you can empathize with them, and the Lord wants us to do both. Amen? God can actually empathize with us because he became one of us. Right, Just like we talked about in our summer series, Hebrews, Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and, look, two different things, sympathize and understand our weakness and temptations, but one who has been tempted, watch this, knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every aspect as we were, yet without committing any sin. So the Lord can sympathize when we're going through stuff, and Jesus himself also empathizes with us because he's walked in our very shoes. He knows exactly what you're going through, exactly what you're feeling, yet without sin. Now that we've seen that he is the God of compassion, by whom and what that means, let's dive into the fact that he is also the God of grace. And you may, and we've talked about grace, and grace has many different things, but this Hebrew word for grace is very powerful. Number two, let's look at it. The God of grace Exodus 34, 6, it says, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious. As I mentioned earlier, the Hebrew word for grace here is hanun. And the root word is kien. Kien, like hen, like it's K-H-E-N, kien. And it means it's a beautiful gift given by someone with means to an undeserving person. And we know that, right? Showing generous favor in a spirit of gladness to someone who's undeserving. So when God uses these two words together, Rahum and Hanum, he uses compassion and grace. What he's saying is that he sees and he feels compassion, sympathy, even empathizes with us, but he doesn't stop there. He actually moves on it. Come on, somebody, this is good news this morning. He moves on this compassion with grace. And this grace is not just a beautiful gift given to someone like that may be poor with less means, but it's also given to someone who deserves far worse. 
Let me put it to you this way. It's like giving something great to a murderer or giving a special gift to a thief. For us, we can't wrap our brains around that, right? We want to give a thief justice, and, and, and yes, they deserve it, right? But can I tell you, we all deserve justice. A lot of us have murdered if we've never even shed blood. Jesus said, if you hate someone in your heart, you've committed murder. Amen? There's a lot of things. You look with lust, you've committed adultery, right? I mean, all of us, we can say from when we was little kids, so I'm sure some of us have stole something, even if it was 30 minutes of your employer's time or being false on your taxes. That's stealing. Amen? And so in that, we've acted in that way, whether it's some even physically or just emotionally in our heart, and yet God extends this hanun to us, right? He extends this grace to us. God's nature is to respond to our cries by giving us grace. God's grace lifts us from the mud and our old life in sin. And God gives generously with gladness, not because he has to, because he wants to. Amen? That shows you that he's unfailing. We're going to get into his unfailing love. He's gracious and compassionate. As Christians, as we wrap this up today, we're called to be like Jesus or to be like Yahweh because we're children of Yahweh, children of God. But as Christians, the word Christian in itself means to be Christ-like. So one, I hope that today you may have been in the camp and on the side uh, you've been taught or just in your mind because maybe you had a very cruel and harsh and unforgiving, unrelenting, oppressive father and you could never see God as being compassionate and gracious. Maybe you were in that camp where you felt like God's always been in heaven waiting for you to mess up and every time you do, he's got a, 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 a marker to put an X by your name and a ruler to pop you upside the head or behind the head or whatever the case may be. And God's just waiting for you to mess up so he can come down on you. So if you've been in that camp or had that mindset, I hope that today it shows you who God really is. From his own words, Rahum Hanum, he's gracious and he's compassionate to us. But as we wrap it up, we're called to be just like him. And there's a beautiful story that we've all read, but this plays out from the Old Testament, these two words, into the New Testament story that many of us are very familiar with, and it's the story of the Good Samaritan. Let's read it in Luke chapter 10. Verse 30 through 37, Jesus replied with a story. He replied to a religious leader that was asking him how to, turn, how to, uh, to receive eternal life. And he told him the Ten Commandments. And he said to love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, who's my neighbor? And this was Jesus' response. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he was attacked by some bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest, man of God, in ministry, priest, came alone. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Let's stop. You remember, compassion starts with what you behold, what you see. This priest, this man of God, saw and was not moved at all, had no compassion, actually passed on the other side of the road and kept on, I guess, to do his ministry stuff. Next, a temple assistant, which this was a Levite, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Now, it seems, though, that this Levite was maybe had something stirring because he did walk over to him to look, but still, he didn't do anything about it. He walked alone. Then a despised Samaritan came alone, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him, 
and then going over, the Samaritan soothed the wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked, and the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, go and do the same. Church, he's still calling us to go and do the same. The Samaritan saw the man. He had compassion on him, right? He sympathized, or I begin to think maybe he empathized with him too. Maybe the Samaritan as well had gotten robbed and beat up and one day was on the side of the road. So at least he had sympathy. He quite possibly could have had empathy. And that empathy caused him to move in grace. This is a great story of Hanun. He moved in grace. Not only did he go, he lifted this person up off the side of the road, bandaged his wounds, and then gave out of his own personal finances graciously, put him up in an inn, and even told the innkeeper, this should cover it, but if it doesn't, put it on my bill, and when I come back this way, I'll pay it in full. That's what Jesus has done for us. He's lifted us out of our sin and the miry clay and has paid our debt in full. Amen? And we should go and do the same. So in a minute, as I close now, we're going to ask God to open up our eyes and our hearts, soften our hearts with more compassion, to see, to be compassionate and gracious to others, just as he's been to us. We're going to pray that we dedicate our lives to others in giving generously in their needs. And listen, giving generously doesn't always have to be finances. It can be time. It can be prayer. It can be a smile. It can be an encouraging word. Amen? And I'll say this, I've, I've had, you know, uh, uh, people do this and I've seen people do this where just like young ladies going through a drive-thru and telling a lady at the drive-thru, hey, you're beautiful. And, and ladies getting teared up and saying, that just made my day. It's amazing how we respond. We can give generously. Sometimes it don't even cost us a lot of time or money. And it could truly, truly bless somebody. Amen. And if you need grace right now, call out. Call out to the Lord and ask Him for grace in your life. See, God is, if you're a born-again believer, God is predisposed to hear the cries of His children. Maybe you're not one of His children and you need grace to become one of His children right now. Because there comes a time where you, you won't be able to cry for grace. We're going to get to that part because God is still a just God. Amen. We've been talking about his compassion and his, and his graciousness, but he's also just. Guys, again, this just shows us what happened again just this week, what's been going on. People are out enjoying their lives in a restaurant, in a bowling alley, and like that, their lives are snuffed out. It, it, it's crazy. We talk about that with mission trips and even Israel. And yes, it, it blows my mind. We, we could have been... We could have been kidnapped always there. It's really God's hand and we made it back and out all that stuff. But I've talked to people about going on mission trips and they're like, man, it's just dangerous. It's, it's da wouldn't it be dangerous to go to a foreign country? It's dangerous to go to a bowling alley in the United States. It's dangerous to go to a restaurant now. Am I right or am I wrong? We see it time in and, and time out. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to do what the Lord's called me to do. And I'm going to go to the nations and preach the gospel. Amen. Because you could be sitting in this town, in this country, and you could still be taken out. If that was you, 
where would you spend eternity? Listen, let me close with one more verse about grace. And it's in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says, for it is by grace. And the Amplified explains what that is. God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ. Some of you in here, Christ has been drawing you to him. And today's your day to respond. It's, it's by God's grace that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and giving eternal life. This shows us we're either going to have eternal judgment or eternal life. But Praise the Lord. We could be delivered from judgment and granted eternal life. And this is through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. Compassion and grace. Amen? Talking about it since, since all day, since, since uh, Exodus 34, we see it here again. Jesus is made manifest. It's Yahweh. We saw that Yahshua last, last week, right? Jesus is God manifest in a human form. And this salvation is not of yourself, not through your own effort, but is the undeserved gracious gift of God, not as a result of your own works, nor your attempts to keep the law so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for this salvation. So if you're here today and you think, man, if my life was to end suddenly like that, maybe you thought, man, I you know, I, I thought coming to church would help get me to have, get me to heaven or maybe, you know, putting a little money in the box in the back and doing good things. And we need to do all this. You need to be in church. You need to give your first of the week to the Lord. You need to tithe. Give your first of your income to the Lord. You need to do those things. We need to be compassionate and gracious to people and, and, and help them. We're going to pray about that. But none of that stuff will get you to heaven. Ephesians makes it clear it's only by the grace of God that he's extends to us and our faith in Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, just out of reverence for people, for I mean reverence for the Lord and respect for people around you, if you say, Brandon, man, that, that, that's an eye-opener again, another tragedy in our country and even a tragedy in a foreign country that's going on all over. Man, if I died suddenly like that, unexpectedly, would you know for sure if you're going to face eternal judgment or eternal life? Ephesians makes it clear. We could be delivered from this judgment for our sin because we're going to see God is a just God. We read it already. He doesn't overlook sin, but he's made a way to forgive us of our sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, even if you watch it online at LPCC, you say, Brandon, I'm not sure if, if, if I died suddenly where I'd be spending eternity right now. Would you be facing judgment or eternal life? And if you're not sure, but you say, Brandon, before I leave here today, I want to make sure that I'm right with the Lord. If that's you, just slip up your hand. We're going to pray for you today. If that's you, even if you watch it online, I see your hand, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Anybody else over here to my left? More hands going up in the middle. Thank you, Jesus. Over here to my right. Praise God. Amen. To my right over here. In every section now, there's somebody that's making a decision. If you're watching at LPCC, same thing. Come on. Today's your day to surrender. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. And the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. This shows God's compassion by sending his son and his grace for Jesus pouring out his blood for us. If you made that decision, if you lifted your hand, come on, we all going to pray together. Maybe you've been away from the Lord and you need to come back and surrender afresh today. We're all going to pray this as a family together in faith. Remember, it's by grace through faith. So come on, it's not the words that save you. It's your faith in Christ and he will save you. Let's pray together, church. Lord Jesus, 
Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for extending grace towards me. Lord, I know that I've sinned. Now I repent of my sin and I turn to you. I surrender my life to you. I ask that you help me, Lord, to live a life that glorifies you and help me, Jesus, to be compassionate and gracious to others as you've been to me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, can we rejoice with these today? Celebrate with these that made that decision. Those of you that made a decision, there's a connection card in the chair in front of you. Fill out that card, bring it to the info center. If you're watching online, get with Chap at LPCC. She'll get you a Bible. The rest of us, why don't we stand up and, 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 and let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Now we know. I want to pray for a couple different people. One, if you feel alone and you still feel like God... God maybe hasn't seen you or heard you where you're at in your distress. I'm going to pray for you and and pray that that changes today. And also, I want to pray for all of us to have greater compassion. Come on. How many of you say, Brian, I could use more compassion? Come on. I I got both hands up over here. I'm the pastor and I I know I need more compassion on people. People that have maybe hurt me or have done me wrong or people that I don't even know that I just walk by or ride by in my vehicle. Come on, let's, let's ask the Lord, that's you. Let's open up our hands and our hearts and ask him, Lord, would you soften our hearts? Would you give us the compassion of Jesus? We thank you that you're compassionate with us. My God, that your, your, your rachum is, is operating because it's who you are, Lord. And Lord, help us to be slow to anger and quick to love others. And Lord, God, to be full of compassion. And then grace. Come on, let's thank him for his grace. Thank you, Father God, for your hanum, Lord God. For, Lord God, that you have given us, Lord God, grace, graciously, generously poured out your grace upon us. Lord, help us to be gracious to others, Lord God. Not even, not only those that have, again, maybe hurt or offended us, but even people we don't even know. We've never even met. Just as the good Samaritan show grace to the one, Lord God, on the side of the road. Lord, I pray, help us to be gracious, Lord God, with our, our life of lifting people up and helping them where they are. Now, I want to pray for you that feels all alone. Father, I pray if there be anybody watching online or in this building today that feels all alone, feels like you don't see them, Lord, help them to know that, that you are the God who sees. You are the God who hears. You've heard every cry of distress. And I pray everybody now that's here watching is born again as one of your children. You're predisposed to hear the cries of your children, to protect, to, to nurture, Lord God, to rescue them. I pray that they would know that today, that we would truly know who you are, your character, that we can draw closer to you and closer to each other. Father, I lift up these today, my brothers and sisters, as they go. And once again, we pray a wall of protection around, Lord, all the ladies coming from the Thrive Retreat as they come home tonight. Father, we thank you, love you, and give you all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hey, I want to let you know about one more thing. Next week is the first Sunday in the month. We're going to pick up a missions offering for Israel and send that money to Beth Hillel there in Ashdod at Pastor Israel's church. Well, God bless you. If you need specific prayer for anything, we'll be down here, the pastors and altar workers. If not, have a great day. We love you. Have a great week.